Eddie Bedrina. Today's guest is the CEO of Eden Green, a vertical farming technology company that builds, manages, and licenses a greenhouse technology platform that increases local access to nutritious produce. With deep experience in government and as an entrepreneur, he'll share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Eddie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's just a thrill to connect with you. I'm so eager to learn more about what you're doing. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here. Well, the the pleasure is all mine. Again, I am thrilled to have you. Uh, You're doing some amazing stuff. People have been talking about this for a while, but you're beginning to really scale up at Eden Green Technology, this vertical farming technology. Tell us about it. Yeah, you know it's a it's a pretty unique uh, technology, but really, uh, in in essence, it's the it's the story behind the tech that's so meaningful, and it's it's what drives me personally, and it's really the story of our two founders. Uh, they're brothers from South Africa, Jacques and Eugene, and they're they're on my staff. One's a CTO and one's a CIO, but uh, they were living in Johannesburg and were feeding uh, in their neighborhood, just passing candy out, had a bounce house going. And uh, they ran across this kid, five-year-old boy who was stuffing his pockets with candy. And they said, hey, slow down, right? Not, there's more than, that'll go around. You don't need to hoard. And they asked his teacher, hey, what, what's, his, uh, what's his scenario? What's his situation? Why is he doing this? And teacher said, well, it's actually not for him. It's for his three-year-old sister back home. It's her day to eat and not his. So one, the fact that she had to pick a day to eat, and two, that he was giving candy as the meal was really something that struck a chord in them. And so for most people, it strikes a chord, and they feel bad about it, and then they go on with their day. Well, these two guys just went into their garage and started trying to create uh, what would be what would become our patented technology, which is a way to control all aspects of growing a uh, a plant, but using as much sunlight as you can. Uh, so what has pr- been produced out of that, and what's patented here in the United States and the EU and in uh, a number of other places, is growing vertically, but in a greenhouse. That sounds really sort of plain and you know, very simplistic, but the reality is it's never been done before so much that we have the patent, right? Most people grow in a greenhouse and it's flat tray greenhouse. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there are problems with that, which I can explain later. And then some people grow in vertical farms that are all indoors, but -hmm. there are problems with that. So we've combined the best of both worlds, the efficiency of a greenhouse with the density of a vertical farm. Wow. Uh, You know, this is such an important technology to help address, uh, you know, the food supply around the world and reduce waste in the food supply and reduce energy use in the food supply. It seems to me it addresses lots of social problems. Am I thinking about this right? You absolutely are. Um, And I think a lot of other, my peers are thinking the same way along with us. The big challenge has been, how do you address all of those and make it financially profitable, right? Otherwise, it's a nonprofit, and then you are reliant upon donations. But what if you could make a company from scratch that actually does this in a way that's both 
environmentally as well as financially sustainable. Uh, and so that's that's where we're at. That's the the hurdle we chose to to overtake, and 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 we're doing it right now. So uh, you are absolutely correct. You know, we use ninety percent, ninety five percent less water than uh, conventional land. We uh, use ninety nine percent less land than a conventional farm. Uh, and then even compared to an indoor farm, uh, we use one eleventh of the light electricity costs. Uh, so what ends up happening is when you can grow vertically and really densely, your uh, I'll just call it your yield per square foot is very high. And then because we're using sunlight, our operational expenses are low, such that our margins are uh, really, really good. And so you have this sort of triple bottom uh, bottom line of your financially profitable uh, you're environmentally sound, and then socially, you have an impact uh, that that is, you know, otherwise uh, impossible if you don't have those first two. Yeah, you know, you you pointed out at the top of our conversation this idea that you use sunlight, and it didn't occur to me until you followed up here just now that that has an economic impact, right? The alternative is LEDs that ask yes. for electricity off the grid or solar panels or something. And that changes the economics. Sunlight Absolutely. is free uh, uh, and abundant. So yeah. tell us a little bit about how you are capturing the sunlight and using that in a vertical farming situation. So uh, in normal vertical farms, which are usually all indoors, right? And you've described mm-hmm. them. Uh, they're basically bunk beds, right? Of greens. Uh, layer upon layer upon layer, up to 36 feet tall, as some of our some of our peers and competitors. But um, on each layer, there are lights, because mm-hmm. if just like a bunk bed, if you put one on top of the other, you have shadow, right? You have where mm-hmm. the sun cannot shine. So that's in essence what indoor farms have done is they've eliminated the sunlight in order to control the amount of light. It's called DLA. DLI, daily light intake. Well, the expense, the cost of eliminating, the cost of control, rather, is that you've got all this light light electricity costs. So one and a half acres of a vertical farm, which is the size of ours, uh, is equal to about five to six acres of greenhouse, which is equal to up to 50 or 60 acres of open land farming, right? Wow. The, the problem with a vertical farm of an acre and a half of a vertical farm, it uses roughly four to five million kilowatt hours a month to run Whoa. that vertical farm. When you're trying to grow something as basic as greens, it just doesn't fit the bill. It, the, it, economically, it doesn't pencil, as we like to say, right? So, uh, and not only does it not pencil, then where are you getting all of that electricity from? Unless you've got a solar farm that's 10 times the size of that, you know, that facility, you're probably getting it from coal, LNG, something not sustainable. So, so you start to really question, peeling back just one layer of the onion, no pun intended, you really start to question the ESG components of those, uh, of those vertical farms. Uh, so then if you don't have to use that electricity, it becomes much more uh, financially sustainable. And then the environment, environmental impact is much more sound. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so how are you designing your vertical farm to avoid that problem? So what we do is uh, we basically have huge walls of greens and those walls consist of individual towers. Uh, and those towers consist of 36 plant spots per tower. Uh, and so uh, what those do, those walls, if you put them, call it six feet apart, it lets the sunlight in. And then whatever uh, DLI doesn't get at the bottom, we have actually patented a patented light technology that allows us to have supplemental LED lights shine upon those lower rows. So what you, you don't what, get what's known as stratification, right? You have consistency top to bottom. Um, and so for, for our technology, one of our greenhouses, we can grow five ounce plants on the very tippy top. We can grow five ounce plants at the very bottom all at the same time, all getting as much nutrients as they want, uh, the right humidity, temperature level, uh, water temperature, CO2 levels, all controlled per plant spot. And so that's that's really where the technology resides. It's We've created uh, what we call a microclimate around each individual plant spot to control for all those growing factors, of some of which include obviously sunlight, right? And then the complementary grow lights. Uh, so yeah. the net effect, if you looked, if you could see infrared and we have infrared cameras, but if you could see infrared at one of our greenhouses, you would notice here in Texas, you'd probably be in the middle of August. It's 127, 130 degrees up at the top of the bows of the greenhouse, but around each individual plant spot, it's 75, 76 degrees right there. That's how we do it. And when you do that, you really only uh, environmentally conditioning one fifth of the entire cubic volume of that greenhouse. Thus, it is very, very efficient. Yeah, that, that efficiency is is critically important. One of the issues with vertical farming is it, it, it is so sexy that it's tempting for us to see this as the solution to our, all of our food problems. And yet I think there are some limitations. It seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, we probably won't graze sheep on a vertical farm right. in, a, in a building, in an urban situation. We probably won't raise uh, um, corn and wheat in that kind of a situation. The economics aren't there. Uh, the physics are challenging. What do you see as being the limits? What can we do uh, and how much impact can it have if we move what is possible into this urban environment using your model? I would frame it in terms of classic economics and comparative and competitive advantages, right? The Adam Smith model. And our, our competitive advantage really is growing leafy greens, cover crops, herbs, right? Uh, some of our competitors are growing uh, tomatoes and berries, and those are all well and good. There's a whole other side of the industry that probably will never be grown indoors, the wheats, the corns, the sorghums, the grains, right? So we view, we are, I'm the first to say like, we are not a silver bullet, right? We want to learn, work alongside farmers, conventional farmers, and let them grow what is, they're really good at growing. 
and let us grow what we're really look good at growing and let the orchards grow what they're really good at growing. Right. Uh, and then together we can make, make a sizable impact, but you know, the, the total addressable market of leafy greens alone here in the United States is $12 billion growing 10 to 15% year over year. If you can convert even 10, 15, 20, even 50% of that over to, uh, over to companies like ours who do that, you are eliminating tons of waste on those fields and you're allowing, you're freeing up those fields to be used for other crops. So that's how I view it. Like, hey, let us have the competitive advantage of leafy greens, lettuce, herbs, berries, and then you can use that farmland for things that conventional farmers have a competitive advantage on. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, you know, Eddie, this is pretty amazing. You had a stellar career. Uh, and, you know, sold the business. You're, you're a big deal, and we're thrilled to have you on the show today. But uh, as you look at what you've accomplished, you probably recognize some leadership skills that you've developed along the way. What do you think of as your superpower? So my, my superpower is, uh, it's actually two different ones. Uh, one is I'm, I'm, uh, born to grow and scale organizations using systems thinking and frameworks. Uh, I absolutely like, I, I just, that's what I love to do. I love to grow businesses, but not just not small ones. And you know, everyone has their own superpower as you like to say, right? My superpower is not meant in the small business. I want to scale things up. Uh, and then the second thing that is my superpower is I am very intentional about cultivating deep and meaningful relationships. Uh, and and that just takes, I mean, it takes a vision for knowing what that relationship and what the meaning of friendship and relationship is down the road 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And then just starting with that end in mind. Uh, so as a result, over the past you know, 20, 25 years of, of my career, uh, I, I mean, I have a, an embarrassment of deep personal relationships all around the world, uh, just simply because I take the time to invest in those relationships. I'm very intentional and purposeful about those relationships. Um, and just because I know that uh, that together, when I can connect those relationships together, that sum is uh, is greater than the parts, right? So uh, I'm just I'm deeply invested in my community, and when I mean community, I mean these deep personal relationships that I've developed over the years and have been very intentional and purposeful about pursuing. Yeah. I want to drill down a little bit on your business scaling skills. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive, and, and you've got the track record to back it up, right? You've done this. Um, what do you think? Uh, well, tell us about y- your uh, your last big deal. You, you you built, grew, and sold a company. Just mm-hmm. give us a brag for a minute. Tell us about that deal. Well, uh, my business partner and I met in 2010. Uh, we started it from scratch. We bootstrapped it. Uh, and then uh, we grew it to a size uh, just through, honestly, through focusing on culture. Uh, 
and focusing on what we do best uh, and, and sort of dialing out the noise or stopping, you know, not chasing after revenue, but really going after culture and building a really purposeful organization uh, that we were able to, uh, you know, it was acquired in 2016. And, uh, and then we had the chance to buy it back 11 months later when things did not go as planned. Uh, and then we grew that back and actually sold it two years ago again. So I have a, a very fortunate uh, to have a business partner then uh, that you know we were able to uh, buy, sell, and then buy back, which is a pretty pretty uh, rare story. One to be able to grow a business successfully. Two to have a business partner that lasts for longer than two years. <laughs> right. Three to be able to sell and have a, have a liquidity event and, and then four, obviously to, to buy it back. So, uh, I attribute that almost all of that, uh, to my relationship with my business partner. Uh, and then to the fact that, uh, I focused on the relationships and the, the careers of the folks around me less than I focused on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you say less, but I think you mean more than you focused on your own career. Yes, more, focused more on, than yeah. I focused on my own. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, correcting yeah. that. Well, I, I just, I, I wanted to make sure the audience heard what you meant. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they did, but just to be sure. Uh, as, as, I, as we think about those relationships uh, and how integral that was to your success, um, how would you coach people to develop those strong relationships so that, you know, I don't want to sound cynical. I don't think you want to sound cynical, but, but building strong relationships is part of being a good human. Yeah. I, I think it's essential to be, to be human. Uh, I think relationships, we were built to have relationships. Uh, and, and so if, if you know that you were built to have relationships and everyone in them has this sort of innate superpower uh, to have really special relationships, then, then really your, your life's focus should be, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but it can be two or three really deep, deep relationships that will carry you through the good times and the bads and will carry them through the good times and, and the bad. So uh, I, I just think you have to understand the value of relationships in order to invest in them, right? Uh, we don't really value, I've, I said it uh, at, a, at a conference I was at and was speaking at, you can't really value something properly unless you have a relationship with it. So the flip side of that is um, you've got to know the value of something if you're going to have to, right? You have to know the potential value of that relationship. Well, if you know you were built to have relationships, then that should be some of the highest value of all, right? Uh, so if you know that, then working backwards towards identifying folks who are older than you and pursuing mentorship, and that can be as simple as saying, hey, I would love to spend one hour with you a month. That's all I'm asking. And then if it's worth your time and if you want impact, can I bring to bring along two friends? Uh, because there's there's power in that. When when you have an older mentor and you're meeting with three three folks, there's that there's that actual time you're with that person, and then there's the time that you're spending with the three of you saying, okay, what did you get from that conversation? What did you get from that conversation? And then applying it in your lives, right? So someone older, someone just a couple of steps ahead, maybe, 
someone alongside you, your peer, if you will, right? And it could be one of those three. It could be, you know, uh, other folks identifying and pursuing peer relationships because those are going to give you honest feedback. They should. You should invite that. They should be mirrors to who you are, right? They will be the ones that ask you the hard questions. I've got friends um, who I number, you know, in the dozens who know my financial situation, knew my financial situation when I wasn't making any money, uh, who know my, my relationship with my spouse, who know how my relationships with my kids are doing, right? Um, those are the types of relationships that you want in your life. Some of whom care about your business, but others who don't give a rip about your business. They want to know about you on a peer level, right? And then you have folks below you who you are intentionally saying, hey, come alongside me, come ride with me, right? Uh, Just one or two folks, come on, let's do this. Maybe for a season, maybe for a long time. Uh, I just had lunch just now with uh, with a friend who he and I have been, and we're peers. Uh, he and I have been meeting once a month for the past eight years, uh, and it's been so intentional. You know, it, meetings come and go, situations come and go, but man, we are meeting once a month. Uh, have been meeting once a month for the past eight years, and then we've got my wife and I. We've got a, a group of. Uh, 20 families that we've been meeting for the past 15 years, once a year. So it's 20 families and 52 kids of which my 18 year old, my 18 year old is the oldest and it's all, we all run it and we all just have a long weekend where we're together. And it's because we want to be together. We want to live life together, but more importantly, we want to show our kids a vision of what it looks like to live life in community. But all that is so super intentional, super, super intentional. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, Eddie, I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today. I appreciate you sharing your story, your insights, uh, your superpower. Before we wrap up, uh, could I ask you to tell people how they can learn more about Eden Green Technologies, how they can connect with you personally, uh, and whatever else you want to share about being in touch? Yeah. they can reach us at edengreen.com. That's the best way to, to look up all of what Eden Green's about. And then for me, um, Badrina, my last name.com, Badrina.com, they can learn about me personally. Uh, and I would say, you know, the, the last, the parting piece would be, we talked a lot about relationships in this podcast. And it's probably like some of your audience, like, ah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, but really that's at the heart of what eating green is doing. We are trying to reconnect the relationship of people with their food. And we do that by closing the distance and having locally grown greens for that's accessible to everyone. Right. And when you can reconnect people with their food, something amazing in society happens, uh, both because they know where it's grown, but they also know who's growing it and the true cost and value of what it takes to get it from the farm to their table. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. Eddie, thank you so much for being with us today. We wish you every success in your efforts to build a company that helps to address the chronic food problems we have in this world. Uh, We want to see you succeed. Thank you so much. All righty. Let's do some good. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.